see your kingdom and hear your kingdom. And I pray these things in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. So I, as soon as I was asked to preach, I started praying, okay, God, what would you have me talk about? And um, for those of you that have walked with me for a while, uh, you know, Ezekiel 34 is part of my story. And those of you that haven't, uh, a little over a year ago, I was um, part of organizing a pastor summit with the governor, and the Holy Spirit put in me about a month beforehand that I needed to read Ezekiel 34. And I'm going to read that in a minute, and it's honestly one of the toughest things that I've ever done in my life, um, because you'll, as you'll see, God talks to, tells through Ezekiel to tell the shepherds, I'm taking you out because you haven't led my sheep to green pastures. My sheep aren't healthy, okay? And um, I begged God not to have me <laughs> uh, read this in front of a bunch of pastors, and I don't, my job was just to put the word out there. I don't know what became of it. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know if he was speaking to just one person or many, but I did it. But as I prayed about what I should speak about today, he said Ezekiel 34, and I'm like, really, God? (laughs) But this is not so tough this time, because um, an interesting thing about as you walk with God and as you, um, as he lays his word in your heart, as he talks about in Ezekiel 34, or 36, um, he can unfold different things out of the same passage. And so this time it was a beautiful unfolding to me as I, um, I've from a distance kind of known kind of the, this church and, and um, uh, some of the places that you've been. And uh, the beauty in it is, um, as you'll see, God talks about, I'm going to come and I'm going to lead you directly. I'm going to um, bandage your wounds I'll just let the word speak for itself. Ezekiel 34, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals. But you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains, and on every hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. I forgot that I'm supposed to be giving cues of, so you guys can read along with me. Um, let's see, I'm on. Actually, let's not try and do that because I don't have numbers on this. Uh, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherd did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds, and I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths, and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. 
as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. So will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in all the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing, and there, there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back for the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. As for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another and between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of the pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest of your, of your muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you shove the flank and the shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away, I will save my flock, and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another, and I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will bring, be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forest in safety. I will make them and, I will make them and the places surrounding my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. The trees will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crops. The people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslave them. They will no longer be plundered by the nations, nor will, they, will wild animals devour them. They will live in safety, and no one will make them afraid. I will provide for them a land renowned for its crops, and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land or bear the scorn of the nations. Then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and they, the Israelites, are my people, declares the Sovereign Lord. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Sovereign Lord. Sorry, that was a, a big mouthful, if you have your... <laughs> what does it mean to be a sheep or a herd in 2024? Are all these thoughts just for, you know, 2,000, 4,000 years ago, whenever uh, Ezekiel... Uh, yeah, Ezekiel is probably more like 4,000 years ago. Um... But what does it mean to be that? Is that, have we got enough technology that the application of the Bible and the way that it uses the idea of sheep and shepherds, is it not as applicable to us today because we've got things figured out because of our technology? No? Here's a, here's a thought for you. How many th- times do you think the Bible refers to this idea of sheep and shepherds? Any, any guesses? A lot. Over 200 times. Right? 
in the church, we talk a lot about hell and, and tell the world that they're going to hell, right? And how many times do you think the Bible talks about hell? Like 40. Which do you think is the stronger idea in the Word of God? <laughs> okay. Are we sheep? Is this an antiquated idea because of our technology and we've got everything figured out? I'd offer you Isaiah 53, 5 through 7. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord laid his iniquity, Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Same Jesus took the same iniquity. I think that one verse tells us that we are the sheep that the Bible is talking about. Okay. So how do you keep health, uh, sheep healthy? Um, according to horsedrinker.com, I talked to Greg a little bit this morning. He had trouble getting water to his horses because it's a little chilly out there. Um, I, I thought it was funny that this, it started out this way. I was, I was just like brainstorming different ideas, but brain, uh, horsedrinker.com says, part of having healthy sheep is doing everything in your power to know what a healthy sheep looks like. Okay? As I look at the church, there's a pretty wide variety of what it means to be a healthy sheep in the church as far as I can see. Right? In fact, I think we're a lot closer to the world which, that says you can be whatever you want and, and and feel whatever you want and think whatever you want and that reality is the truth. And so we have people in the church who can be in complete misery, you know, reading their devotions every day and, and praying and, and they think they're healthy because they showed up in church on Sunday. Right? says, and what you need to do in order to keep them in good health, generally you'll need to conduct health exams every six to eight weeks. Observe them daily, ensure they have their herd, ensure they have proper food, and I'll always provide them with easy access to fresh and clean water. Sheep are pretty simple, you know, if you just take that little snippet, right? But what is a good sheep what, in the church? What, in, in, as a follower of Christ, what what does it look like to be a good sheep or a good herd, okay? And that's really what I want to unpack a little bit today is are we even close to what? Um, and, and there's one factor that I hope that you guys come to the same conclusion as I have that this is what it means to be a healthy sheep, okay? Um, and, and I was trying to do a little comparison and there's not a lot of information because, you know, not a lot of people, I guess, look at the internet for how to raise good sheep, but um, one of the things that they said is they don't have bad breath. They have good teeth. That's one of the determining factors if you have a good, good sheep, okay? I thought it was interesting, Michael's words. 2 Corinthians 2.15. We didn't plan this. For we are in, 
For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Does the world look at us and is it our sweet aroma because of who we are in Christ and the love that we put before us, is that what they see and they're like, ooh, that's, that's attractive. Is your... Um, if your sheep is silent, that can be a sign they are sick. And I thought about putting a little, I've had a busy week, or I, I would have been a little bit more creative, I guess, but I, I, I wanted to put a recording of a, a herd of sheep out just grazing. If you've never heard it, it's, it's actually kind of noisy, despite the fact that they're eating, because they're just all bah, 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 talking to each other as they're eating the grass and, Yeah. I couldn't find a verse that connected well to their, their talking, but um, this morning I asked, uh, and just uh, kind of an open-ended, can we get together and pray? And um, uh, again, in, in whether I, I don't remember what part of the um, announcements or whether it was Michael speaking, talking about that the, the bonding, right? And that was the big, one of the big things with sheep is if you just have a couple of them, uh, they don't do well. God designed them to be in a herd, right? And so it is with us. We're designed to be part of a herd of believers that are, are going through and, and um, the field and eating and, and, and resting and, and are um, protecting each other, right? For me, one of the biggest marks of of uh, my life, and, and as uh, John mentioned, I was a missionary kid. I, I grew up in the church. Like I saw, I saw so clearly how often, or, you know, the structure of the church, and and was a, a faithful Christian. And and yet, I, as I look back, um, I see what I what I kind of where I started out. I see oftentimes that. We have this idea of what it means to be a Christian and we, our, our life is a wreck and we lean on others to get us through that wreck and don't actually encounter Jesus, right? I was meeting with a, somebody who does not claim Christ uh, that is a solid guy uh, this week and he's, he and his wife are going to go to counseling and Jesus is nowhere in his language, but he's using the same mode as I see most of the church mode and, and far more at peace with where he's at, <laughs> even though he needs counseling, right? Um, when I work with youth, a lot of times, uh, and, and uh, actually Karen was the first one to catch this verse, and it took a while because I'm not the brightest in all ways, um, but uh, Karen would, if, if you ever get a card from her, she always writes, John 10, 10 below her name. And it, like I said, it took me a while to, to kind of catch on, but that is such a, a powerful, um, powerful passage. Um, the thief comes to only to steal kill, steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they may have life and to the full. 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
do we encounter a God who, despite circumstances, the reality of our life is that we're, we're in a good place even when the circumstances are, are, are not, not so pretty. Another one, John. I love John 10. Just relating back to this idea of that we are Jesus, the sheep that Jesus is talking about. You did not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hands. So I, I live in this interesting dichotomy of being a missionary kid and being in the church, and then there was a short amount of time where I, I walked away from God. But this interesting place of like understanding what it means to be a Christian and not, have, not hearing Jesus' voice, and being part of the church that feels okay with that because God gave us just the Bible so we just read and find the right Bible verse to plug and, and make us feel better in those situations. And then in my, after I moved to Helena in my you know, mid-30s, I started recognizing what it really means to hear the Holy Spirit's voice and to be, to be led by the Spirit, to have Him um, fully moving and speaking into my life and directing me. And, and as I follow this, like when I was back in this, this stage of being a good Christian kid or young man, whatever, I was very much like just guessing at whatever, you know, whatever my, whatever I kind of grabbed a hold of and just saying, okay, yeah, that's God's will for my life. Uh, originally it was construction, finishing concrete, and I frostbit my toes, and then I'm like, well, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, so I went to paramedic school, and I'm like, oh, yeah, God must be opening this door, right? And, and it was kind of a, a stumbling into the, you know, whatever here or there to try and figure out where I was supposed to be. But as I learned to hear his voice over here, it's not that at all. And in fact, it doesn't look anything like what the world, the, where, the way the world does things. And it very rarely makes sense even to me. But as I walk it out, as I am faithful, and even when it doesn't feel good and I feel like I'm in a storm, it's just so interesting how God's peace and his joy just become overwhelming. And we, we, I think in America, because of the world we live in, in the church, sometimes we're, this is our full identity. We don't even know God in that way. Right? We don't hear his voice. We don't follow his directions. And some of us... You know, I'm at a place where this is where I want to be all the time, but it's, it's so easy to get drugged back to the way the world does everything, right? The world that says, oh, if you're not comfortable there, if, if you're not being treated right, go find another job. If you're not comfortable in that church, you don't like the praise and worship anymore. Anyway, I, I just got to say, I love the praise and worship here. That was not, I was referring to you, uh, you guys here. It's amazing. Um, but I don't like it, so I'm just going to go find someplace else. That One of the other 31 flavors that fits me. And a, and a stalwart, no, God has called me to this place to minister, to love, to be part of this herd that he's taking someplace. That's a lot harder place to walk. Right?
So what is a good flock? We've talked a, I've talked a little bit about what a, a good sheep is. They, they smell good. Well, they don't stink, I should say. <laughs> Not that they smell good. I've never... Uh, not so much, yeah. <laughs> they don't stink. Um, so, but what is a good flock? Hebrews thirteen twenty to 21. If you've got your Bibles and want to go there quick, I'll... Um, just give you a moment, and, and I'll start reading it. Um, this is where, for me, where I believe the key really is. Now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him, though Jesus Christ, to whom the glory be or glory forever and ever. Amen. Sheep are made for reproduction, for building the flock, for growing the flock. And you know, in this, uh, I, I, uh, I, because I have an opportunity or a platform to thank you guys. Um, we had a deliverance service here in November, and there was a few people for, that gave their life to Christ for the very first time in this church because you opened your doors. Growing the flock, right? And maybe they don't come here, um, but it's about God's kingdom, right? And one of my... Even what I, as I mentioned to start out with, I'm on a journey because I know that God gave me spiritual gifts, but I don't understand them even hardly. They sure don't look like the spiritual gifts that I read about in Acts, right? And, and I got to ask myself, was like, and, and honestly, theologically, I don't know where everybody stands here, but honestly, I was given this idea, whether it was meant to be or not, when I was over on this side of just like doing the Christian thing, that God doesn't work like that anymore. He doesn't work like he did in Acts. On the other hand, as I've begun to understand his voice and walk in a place where I hear his voice, I see him do amazing things that are beyond my belief. I'm not going to go into all the details, but even last month, my mind was blown. And I was, I was praying about something that I was kind of really focused on and praying intently and had, had been praying about it. And I was just like, one of those moments where I'm like, God, are you hearing me? Did you forget me here? And I'm driving, it's, it's, I'm driving to work, it's 6.15 in the morning, it's dark, and I see a falling star. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, but falling stars happen all the time. And in my own mind, my own internal dialogue, I'm just letting you guys into the crazy that's here. In my own mind, I'm like, yeah, that wasn't God. Like, you know, falling stars happen all the time. If it was three, that would be something. And, and I wasn't even praying or asking God that I'd see three falling stars. 
but I drove the rest of the way in a couple more minutes, and, and uh, um, I get to work. I have to park a little ways away, so it was a couple minutes to walk into the office, and as I'm walking, I see two more. I'm like, whoa. Okay, God, I get that you're saying something. And then, you know, being human, after an hour or two, I was just kind of processing what that was, and I'm like, yeah, I, that's just crazy, thinking that some falling stars are God, like, speaking into what I was praying. And then the Holy Spirit said, yeah, because I didn't lead a couple wise men to Bethlehem by a star. <laughs> I'm like, ouch. And then, and as I think about it, it still overwhelms me that we serve a God that 6,000 years ago put some asteroids in motion or whatever you want to say it was. I don't know how many years, but thousands of years before I was born put some asteroids in, in motion that when I would be crying out to him, I would see him in what he created in a way that was, just blew my mind. Think about that. I wasn't going to be... But these, and, and I don't, I don't, I'm not going to read too much in it. I, I know other, I, I believe other people saw those too, and, but it was at that very moment that I'm like crying out to him that I needed to see something. I needed to see his fingerprints, his hand, that he is the God that I keep feeling crazy about saying, yeah, this is, this is the direction I'm going, and it doesn't make a lot of sense all the time. But he's real, and he's the same God that I read about that these other people 2,000 years ago experienced. Psalm 103, we are, God's, we are God's flock. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. There was a time when I was lost and I, I, I knew all this stuff that I'd been given and holding on to about my beliefs and, and who I am and what God intends for me and that I just got to kind of stumble through and figure things out and, and then put my Jesus stamp on. Yeah, that was Jesus if that, something good happened. And then as I became disillusioned with that and was like, okay, I don't know what's going on here. And I encountered a Jesus that came after me. Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And that's where I live today. Like, it's everywhere I look. It's, and I don't walk it out as good as I'd like. Yesterday, I was at Costco, and, and this is not in my notes. This is not what I ended up talking about, but it's, it's where I find life in seeing God open doors for me to, to minister to the people around me, and that that is my biggest activity that I find purpose and, and, and fullness when I see him move in somebody that has nothing to do with me. He just used me for a short snippet in their life.
because the lost and the broken are all around us. I remember uh, when I first started with Youth for Christ in 2016, Bob Vrulis, the head of Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and I would go and walk every month around the schools and pray for them. Pray that God would move in them, that, they, that, that those that are, are broken and confused about who they are would see him. I'm sad to say we kind of, that went away with time, but there was several years that we did it every month. But I still know less, just can look at the school and see the lost and the broken, and I'm like, these are sheep. Before they're born, they're dead, right? Who's focused on not just that we have our our youth group parties or our, you know, whatever it might be, doing the church things, but a burden for those that I gotta be building my maturity up to the place where I can be a light in this world where people see Christ and encounter him through me as a vessel. I, see, I think that's, that's how reproduction is such an important part. I think that's why we get bored in, in church and kids young people walk away from God is because we don't see, like, how excited is a church when a new baby's born in it? Right? How, how excited when, when this young girl in the, grew up in the church and she comes back for Christmas and she comes with her husband and her new baby and those of you that knew her as a child are just like, oh, so beautiful and give them presents and stuff like that, right? It's exciting, that's just a mere reflection of, of what it means to be born into the, the kingdom, right? And I think the reason we're sick and, and is because we're, we're worried about doing the church things, but we're not op- our eyes aren't open to where God would actually is, is birthing new, peop- new people into his kingdom. Jesus wants them. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Don't you, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And then he finds it. He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who did not need to repent. John 21, 17. This is one of my favorite passages. Um, I have a lot of favorite passages, as you might have figured out. But this whole interaction between a Peter who denied Jesus, right? He, he was worried about what the, the world was putting before him, and he wasn't quite in that place yet, Right? But then he, he sees Jesus and, and Jesus is spending time with him. He's raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these other guys? And that word for love, we actually, English is actually pretty lame. Um, in the Greek, it's, 
it's far more powerful because they have three or four, um, I, I know it is just like not popping into my head right now, three or four different significances of love. You know, they have eros, they have brotherly, um, agape. And in this passage, when he's asking Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me with your whole heart as God loves? Do you love me with absolutely every fiber of your body? And Peter's like, um, if I remember right, Peter says, I love you, Philio, Jesus. I, I love you with brotherly love. You're my brother. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you love me, agape? And again, Peter says, I love you, Philio. I love you as my brother. That's a deep love. Isn't that good enough, Jesus? And then Jesus asks a third time, Peter, do you even love me, Philio? Do you even love me as a brother? Oh yeah, I forgot the part. Take care of my sheep. When Jesus says, if you love me, take care of my sheep. Um, the third time he says, and Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. I'm going to go over that last part because this is the exciting part to me of Ezekiel 34. I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forest in safety. I will make them and the places surrounding my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. The trees will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crops. The people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslave them. They will no longer be plundered by the nations, nor will wild animals devour them. They will live in safety, and no one will make them afraid. I will provide for them a land renowned for its crops, and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land or bear the scorn of the nations. Then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they... The Israelites are my people, declares the Sovereign Lord. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pastures, and I am your God, declares the Sovereign Lord. How exciting would this place be if it was overflowing with lambs? How excited would the church be? Period. Not, not just grace fellowship, but the church be if it was overflowing with lambs. And is the fact that it's not, I mean, every day we lose, like, I see that we're losing ground as, as the church, right? Does that mean that we're healthy sheep? It, let me rephrase that. If, if the, the church doesn't have a certain amount of lambs coming in, new birth, ouch, Does that reflect on us as we're healthy, we're good with God? We're in the right place with God? Or does the absence tell us something else? Again, 
We don't, it's so hard to see. Are we in this seat or this seat over here, right? Where we're going, where God is, is calling us to go and we're ministering to those and, and we're seeing people's hurts healed and their lives transformed. Or are we making Christians, getting people to sign on the dotted line of, oh yeah, I'm joining that club, I, I choose that club over Islam. Let me close in prayer. Lord God, I just, I pray that your seeds would go deep in our hearts and spring forth as new life. That we would walk in a, out of this place into a different awareness of your purpose for our lives, your, your desire that we have to be healthy sheep to, to bear lambs and that that, that joy is a life, part of the abundant life and life spring that you're talking about in John 10.10. I pray these things in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.